0: Father, thank you for the fun and safety tonight. Thank you for the simplicity that brings a lot of humor and fun. As we turn our attention to your word, Father, protect us from ourselves and our thought process. May we allow you to guide and teach us and communicate what your word says in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking about the last few weeks, this concept that if you have chosen to depend upon Jesus Christ to be your savior, that you are a new creature. And we looked at Ephesians 2, Verses 8 to 9 talked about salvation, that you have to, by faith, take hold of what God gave you freely, the payment for your sins. We looked at verse 10, which says that when you do that, that God creates you as a new spiritual being, that you are now no longer who you used to be in your structure, your creation, because now you have a human spirit that's functioning also. And so we went from there to, to 2 Corinthians 5.17, and talked about the reality that if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, that you're a new spiritual creature that's different from who you were in your, in your structure, not necessarily in your actions. And everything we're talking about, focusing on right now, is focused on who you are in Christ. Not what you do, but who you are. And one of the things that we have to learn that's different from what this world teaches us is that we are not who, what we do or the actions we bring forth. We are an individual that has a personality that's either spiritually alive or spiritually dead, but what we do does not define who we are. What we do just shows us what we believe and what we're dependent upon to be true in our life. This world teaches you that what you do defines who you are. And you see that even so simply as someone who identifies their pro- profession, okay? Went to the doctor's office. Doctor walks in, she goes, hi, I am so-and-so, I'm a doctor. She just defined herself by what she does, okay? We do that all the time. I do it even. I'm not saying it's bad to do that. I'm just saying this world teaches us that we are what we do when what we do, the Bible says, just shows us what we believe, what we're depending upon to be true. So our actions come from, the come from our beliefs. What we're looking at in this summer series is who we are as a result of believing that Jesus of Nazareth was God the Son in the flesh, that he paid the penalty for our sins on our behalf. The Bible says that all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that Jesus died to pay the penalty for all of the, all of the world, and that those who say, yes, I want him to pay my debt instead of paying it myself and depend upon him to be that sacrifice to pay it, those are the ones who are saved forever. And they have a new identity before they were spiritually dead. Now they're spiritually alive. And so we're looking at, we've been looking at the past few weeks. Like I said earlier, if you missed some of those lessons you want them, go back to the website. They'll be on there on the youth page. But this lesson series we're starting into now focuses on who we are in Christ, not just that we are a new creature. So we're a new creature because we're spiritual instead of just soulful or natural, as the Bible terms it. And Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 tells us, and describes to us who the believer is according to God in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 is one long sentence in Koine Greek, the original language of the New Testament. It's broken up into a few different sentences in our Bibles. Up here, you'll see a few periods along the way, uh, most of which I've marked out or given a note that they shouldn't be there. The words in bold again will express a little more with, with a little more depth, but let's take a look at Ephesians 1, 3. Through 14 we'll see how far we get tonight, and we'll pick up where we left off next week. Ephesians 1-3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having, be pre- having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be the- to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Lot of words in bold in there to look at, a lot of verses in there to look at. There was one phrase that kept popping up. Did anyone catch it? Bonnie? In Christ. in Christ, or in him, or in love, or in the beloved. There's this little word that we see, and we just skip over it. But what we've looked at already in our lessons is that as a new creature, God has created us as a new being in a specific location, and that's in Christ. And so we've got this circle that makes up the boundaries of Christ. And we have a dot that represents the person who has believed that he is the Savior. And the dot is surrounded by the circle, can't get out of the circle, especially if I draw it correctly, there we go. But the dot is owned by the circle. We belong to Christ. If we have accepted him as our Savior, we're a new spiritual creature, we belong to him, we have our existence within him. It's a location. And so in him... In Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Where? In Christ. These last two words, in Christ. So in here, we have every spiritual blessing. This is who you are in Christ. Every spiritual blessing belongs to you. It's yours in Christ. Now, what spiritual blessings are those? Every single one of them. Now, what's a spiritual blessing? Well, it's different than a physical blessing. In the Old Testament, Israel had two covenants, two promises made to them by God. He said, if you will worship me and obey me, you will physically prosper. That's a conditional covenant. If they obeyed him, he would give them physical stuff. More money, the crops would grow, uh, they'd have good harvests, they'd have good land, they'd have peace amongst themselves. But if they didn't, then he would allow the choices that they made to bring natural consequences to them. We see all throughout Israel's history that they actually ended up being attacked and taken over by many. Here you go, guys. Thank you. They were actually taken over by many because they had disobeyed. And so God promised them, if you obey, I'll give you more physical blessings, and if you disobey, those physical blessings, because of your own choice, will be removed from you so that you feel the discipline and choose to willingly start obeying me again. Okay, and then he also made another covenant to them. It was unconditional. And this was that he, no matter what they did, would stay by them and preserve a remnant of Israel forever. And that was whether they obeyed or disobeyed. It's unconditional, it doesn't change. Just like God's love for us. God's love is unconditional. It's not based upon whether we do what he likes, what he asks, or whether we obey. He chooses to love us because of who he is, not because of who we are or what we do. If it was based on us, then it would be hard-pressed for us to see that he would actually send a Savior to die on the cross for our sins, because the Bible says that God's self-sacrificial and unconditional love is shown to us in this way, that Christ, while we were sinners, died for our sins. Christ didn't die for our sins when God was happy enough with humanity. No, the plan was apart from anything man did. It was based upon God's unconditional love, his choice to love us regardless of what we're doing. That's true unconditional love. Now, when we look at the blessings spiritually that God has for the believer, the description here, it's described as every single individual spiritual blessing that is ours as a child of God's belongs to us in our position in Christ, in who we are in Christ. And Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 gives us a list of some of those, but the Bible reveals a lot more of those, specifically in the New Testament. One of the things that we want to point out before we go to some of those blessings in this list is we've got a term here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, and Christ. Three nouns, all titles for Jesus of Nazareth. Lord means master. He is the one who has the authority over those who are here. He's the master, we're his followers. Jesus, this refers to the fact that he was a human on earth when he died on the cross. Some of those around his time didn't understand how he could be righteous and human at the same time. They thought the body was evil and wicked and that the person inside the body was righteous. And so their whole idea was that you had to find a way to get out of the body. And so they said you either bore yourself to death in the body and just get so bored out of your mind that you go out of your body and leave your body, that's death, or that you do all these horrible things and your, your person says, I'm so awful, I've got to get out of this body, and leaves. Simplistic idea. Jesus was a human, and they had a hard time understanding this concept because he was also God. He was also righteous. And the whole book of 1 John talks about the reality that he was a man and that he was God and that he was spiritually operating while he was on this earth simultaneous at the same time. So we've got that he's the master for the believer. He's got we've got the distinction that he was a human, that he's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth didn't die. Well, he didn't stay dead. He did die on the cross, rose again later three days according to cri- three days after three days according to Scripture. So he's sitting right now at the, the right hand of the throne of God in heaven and then we've got the title Christ and this is the anointed sacrifice which means that God specifically chose Jesus of Nazareth to be the sacrifice even if I wanted to say God I will die for the sins of all the world even if I said that and was righteous from birth which I clearly am not just like every other one of us even if that were the case God didn't make me that sacrifice, so I couldn't have paid the penalty for your sins or my sins. God had to choose specifically who that sacrifice would be, and he made his son, Jesus of Nazareth, God the Son in the flesh, the Son of God walking on earth, the anointed sacrifice. God had to anoint him to that cause, and he had to pay the penalty for our sins. So here we have three titles specifically, all three in view concerning the completeness of who he is. The only description we don't have here, directly, is that he was the Son of God. But indirectly, we see that, because it says, Blessed be the God and Father, Father of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that make the Lord Jesus Christ? The Son of God, by default. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, the Master, Jesus, the human, Christ, the anointed sacrifice, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. How do we get these spiritual blessings? Well, everyone who's in Christ, God gives them to them verbally. Not like we think verbally, but it's from his directive force. When God created the world, what did he do? He spoke. These blessings come to us through his directive voice. He says, these are the blessings that will belong to the new creature. And when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, you are made a new creature, and these blessings that he gave to you are given to you in Christ. The Greek word to you, legia, means to speak well, speak something good. So he speaks these good spiritual things into our life in Christ. They're given to us. They belong to us because we're in Christ. So long as we're in Christ, they are ours and they define us. Now, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, the heavenly places here referring to the throne room of God and the mass universe, the whole entirety of everything. Now, we've got that verse basically picked apart real quickly. Now, here's where the list of blessings Come into the word just as means literally according to how it talks about the manner, the process by which God gave these blessings to us. Where are the blessings located in Christ? How does He give them to us in Christ? So, there's a manner by which He gives them to us, and the w- way He does that is by choosing us in Christ to receive these blessings before the foundations of the world. So wait a second. We are somewhere over here. Okay, let's just put a cross. And we'll put a tree. It's a horrible tree, but look, there's like an owl in it. Okay? It's a horrible tree. It's not a penguin. Clearly not a penguin. I can draw those. Okay, so somewhere, let's just put it right here. Okay, let's just say that little asterisk is us. The cross obviously is when Jesus died on the cross. The the tree here with the owl in it, that's the Garden of Eden. Y'all with me so far? Okay serpents don't live in trees people not even the garden of eden thank you my wife whom i adore and love greatly moving on now critics all right so the garden of eden on this side right god creates the world and what does it say that the blessings he gave us in christ he gave according to a process of choosing us in christ in him him still refers to christ when did he choose us in christ before this. God knows all things. He is omniscient. He has complete knowledge of all that will happen, all that could happen. If you know all things, you also know what's possible, not just what will happen. And so God, in his omniscience, knew that when he created man with a choice, that man would choose to disobey the command. He knew that the serpent would deceive the woman and the man would eat in the garden the fruit they were commanded not to eat. He knew that they would violate his command and that they would be spiritually dead. He knew all that before he even created the garden they would live in. There's a whole process before this, a whole reason for why he created this, but God, knowing all things, already has this stuff set up. Sometime late at night, when you guys are hanging out with your friends, try to figure out how it is that a God who knows all things can formulate a plan. Try to figure out sometime how a God who knows everything can put together and formulate a plan for something. Okay, now don't do it now. Good luck, right? So don't do it now. But look at this, Ephesians 1.4, according to how he chose, and this means to gather out, it's X. Legomai. whoops that's horrible. Yeah. This is like 15 different languages all at once. I'm sorry. Legomai. Different than Legoland. Eklegomai, which means to gather out. And it has the idea of selecting out something specific. Something now, sorry, sorry, that's horrible. So, so, when he gathers out those to whom he gives the blessings, where is it that he has found these people that he's taking? He gathered us out in Christ before the foundation of the world. Those who are in Christ, this is the location that God takes before the foundation of the world in order that he can present them to him holy and blameless. Question, real quick An anthropomorphism? Which part? I did tell you not to think about that. You, you didn't listen. Okay. Wrapping up on time. Wrapping up on time here, real quick. God gathered out the believers in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, that is very important to understand. Because what typically people take that to mean is that God gathered out who's going to be in Christ, but that's not what it says. He gathered out those who are already in Christ. How do you get in Christ? Believe. When did he gather them out? Remember, this is a process. The first spiritual blessing listed in this is that God has gathered out those who are in Christ to present to himself as holy and blameless. Those who are in Christ, this passage says, before God are holy and blameless. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, The way that God presented you to himself as holy and blameless is through the process of taking you out of condemnation and placing you into Jesus Christ. And in Christ, you are holy and blameless. Now, what does it have to do with your actions? Not a thing. How can it have anything to do with your actions if if the time in which God did this is before the foundation of the world? This is based upon God's plan, that he would send a Messiah, and through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life people would have the opportunity to come to him and be presented to him holy and blameless because they're in Christ. This isn't about your actions. It's about who God has made you to be in front of him. In in front of him, if you are a believer in Christ, you are holy and blameless. We'll look at what those terms mean the next time we meet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and what it does to reveal truth to us, to teach us who we are, to identify with the greatness by which you have given these things to us and the grace that you've made available to us by sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for everyone who got to make it here tonight, be with those who couldn't make it, that wanted to be. Give us a safe time as we come back next week. Thank you so much for what you've done, Father. May we not take it for granted, may we think about it and dwell on it so that it can impact us. In Jesus' name, amen.